Kentucky is known as the bluegrass state, but there's really nothing blue about its politics. It's a Republican ruby red state. It's represented by two senators to the far right in the Republican caucus. And yet it is an illustration of some of the challenges that the Republicans have in reordering the healthcare system. Welcome to the Big Story Podcast. I'm Jason Dick, and we're going to talk about healthcare. Joining me is Niels Nosniewski, our senior Senate reporter, and he was just in Kentucky. Uh, he went to the rally that, that President Donald Trump had with uh, Mitch McConnell, but he also went to another rally. So let's let's start at the beginning, Niels. What gave you the impetus to travel to Kentucky uh, over the weekend? Well, well, what started was when we learned that not only Donald Trump would be holding a rally Monday night in, in Louisville at the uh, historic Freedom Hall, the way the Louisville Cardinals basketball team used to play, but then that Mitch McConnell would be actually joining Trump at the rally. And on top of that, that in the morning, uh, Rand Paul would be just a few exits down the highway holding an event with a local chamber of commerce, but that he wouldn't be sticking around for uh, the president's visit. Uh, So there was this natural contrast that was being set up, and it was just a matter of Okay, I guess we'll get on an airplane and we'll go. We'll go visit Louisville. And it it also wasn't just the physical distance that that Rand Paul was putting between him, between himself and the president and his home state colleague Mitch McConnell, the majority leader of the United States Senate. But Rand Paul has actually been actively working against the the evolving House health care plan, which McConnell and Trump are all for. Right, and his stated explanation to local media at the end of. Uh, Senator Paul's event for why he had to leave to go back to Washington was to rally House conservatives against the bill that McConnell and Trump were going to be promoting that evening. So Rand Paul literally got on an airplane and came back uh, to D.C. for meetings with folks like members of the House Freedom Caucus and the conservative firebrands who are against uh, the bill that may still be up for votes on Thursday in the House. And and this is, I mean, this is somewhat extraordinary, just not just from a, you know, the political spectacle of a, of a senator from a, a, you know, again, a ruby red state like Kentucky, basically saying no to a president and his home state colleague. But just the fact that that Rand Paul went back to Washington when the Senate wasn't in session. I mean, he's not a member of the Judiciary Committee. Now, ju- the Judiciary Committee people needed to, uh, they had a hearing that, that started for Neil Gorsuch to be the Supreme Court nominee. Uh, and, and so they had to be in town. But Rand Paul's not uh, on the Judiciary Committee. So, I mean, most of the time, a lot of these guys, particularly people who live in the Midwest and, and East Coast, they stay away from Washington as long as possible, as long as humanly possible when the Senate's not in session. So for Rand Paul to actually get on a plane in Louisville and come to D.C. to to lobby his House colleagues is is extraordinary just from the logistics standpoint, right? That's right. And then and then sort of you add to it when, you know, as, as he's having this meeting with these these business folks, he's got this message that actually in a lot of ways makes logical political sense and is something that I'm not sure – that has fully been calculated by everyone who's supporting uh, the House bill. His basic line of argument was, well, look, if this thing passes the House and the Senate and President Trump signs it into law, it's a reconciliation bill and it doesn't fix 
the whole system. There are these second and third prongs or buckets or steps. Right, because there's only so much they can do in reconciliation, so they have to save they have to save things that aren't related to taxes and spending for these other two. They were called buckets, and then there were prongs, and now they're phases. It's great. Like, they can't even, like, like, like arrive on, on what they want to call them. But let's call them phases. Okay. <laughs> so phase two is fairly straightforward. It's administrative actions by uh, Tom Price, the Health and Human Services Secretary. Phase three is the one that people like Rand Paul are really worried about, which is what is now being called by the uh, Republican Policy Committee in the Senate is bipartisan legislation on health care. Right, because they need Democrats to play ball uh, in, in the Senate, right? Because it's the, all, anything that would come in this phase, phase three would be subject to a filibuster. Right, and if you need in, in the, the question then is, if you need 60 votes, does any of it ever pass? And basically what Rand Paul was telling uh, these business leaders in, in suburban Louisville on Monday was, I don't want to be coming back here in six months or a year and telling you that I'm sorry we wanted to do all this stuff about health care, but the Democrats blocked us from doing it and we only got 54 votes and... And I'm sorry we can't do anything. And so now the healthcare system is just a mess and your insurance rates are going up. And they own it. Right. <laughs> and the Republicans own it. So, so what you, you, you in, in this very like kind of whirlwind trip of yours, it was about 24 hours, you filed three stories, three very you know, sort of different stories. The first one was the one you're describing about Rand Paul, what he told this, uh, you know, this, this chamber, a local chamber of commerce in, in suburban Louisville. The second one was about the Trump rally itself and some of the atmospherics. And the third one we'll get to in a moment because it's, it, it's about the future uh, of, the, of the Supreme Court. It all comes back to the Supreme Court, doesn't it? But let's, let's just set up the contrast between your first, you know, what happened between your first story and your second story. Your first story is in this like community center in like a very sleepy part of Louisville. So let's talk about that. Who are the people that, that Rand Paul was talking to? Right. Uh, this was the Chamber of uh, Commerce in St. Matthews, Kentucky, which is a technically incorporated part of Jefferson County, most of which is the city of Louisville. And so these were largely suburban business owners, uh, electricians, plumbers, uh, local councilmen, one of whom was a firefighter. So this was this was your typical small business coffee roundtable. Questions were put into a basket or a, it was a bowl at the beginning and, you know, they pulled questions out to ask Senator Paul at the end. And we went from that after a few hours uh, to the, the evening event with uh, President Trump, which was in a basketball arena that at the peak of its uh, configuration back when it, it held six NCAA Final Fours in the Right, fifties, sixties. Never nervous. Purvis Ellison uh, was one of the stars in those eighty nineteen eighties Louisville basketball teams. Denny Crumbs led uh, Louisville Cardinals, and a particular favorite of Mitch McConnell. Yes, yeah. and and I, you know, I couldn't help but think, I can't imagine that Mitch McConnell would have ever thought when he was going <laughs> to basketball games here for for decades that there would be. 17, 18,000 people, maybe, mm -hmm. for a Donald Trump president of the United States campaign-style rally in the same facility. Uh, and that's it was, it was a typical raucous campaign rally. 
it's a good thing that those Make America Great Again hats are red because otherwise, you know, I couldn't imagine if everyone was wearing blue hats in right. Freedom Hall. For the, yeah, to the, 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 the hated uh, University of Kentucky colors, or at least hated by Louisville fans. Right. So it was a, it was a, it was a campaign rally. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was interesting there was that the reception that various people leading up to Trump got. Uh, Matt Bevin, the governor of Kentucky, was greeted as a rock star, effectively. He was, you know, these were clearly people who were Bevin uh, voters for governor. But frankly, they were also probably Bevin voters in the Senate primary in 2014 when uh, he got uh, trounced by by Mitch McConnell. uh, Because when McConnell came out there... I would say it was probably about 60-40 in favor of the booze for the, the majority leader. Which is not, not that different from what happened at the at the convention in Cleveland where Mitch McConnell got a, like this sort of smattering of booze and, and sort of it doesn't ever seem to phase him. He's ha- he has the same smile, same sort of awkward smile uh, that, that he gives uh, us in the Capitol when we ask a, a question that he doesn't want to answer. <laughs> and then he goes sort of his own way. So this guy has been a, a senator, you know, for three decades now, and he is is not a universally beloved figure. Uh, I mean, as you said, Matt Bevin, the guy he beat in 2014, he, he wasn't supposed to win, right, in 2016, but won anyway. And Bevin seems to be this guy who is is really does, has a lot of adulation. So how is it that McConnell is, is navigating this? Because, I mean, he will be instrumental in this healthcare debate. Uh, in in whatever emerges in in the in the Senate or going forward, how is it that McConnell holds on to power in Kentucky and and in the Senate if if the, if the, he isn't this beloved figure like like Trump is in some quarters and and, and Bevin? For years, decades, McConnell has basically built out of basically nothing the Republican Party of Kentucky. Uh, he is one of these figures who operates with machine politics, mm-hmm. and, and largely he keeps his state operation uh, in the Commonwealth going through force and organizing and having everything that that a good polit- machine politician needs, and that's, that's how he keeps power at home. And then what he's going to be navigating over the next, you know, week in the Senate is trying to figure out how to cobble together uh, 50 or 51 votes to be able to pass this this health care bill through reconciliation. And frankly, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that he does it with a completely different coalition of votes than the kind of votes that are going to be needed if this thing is to get through the House, because he could very easily... Uh, I was talking to someone yesterday who suggested that he might make lie heap an entitlement program. That's so this the, is the yeah, the uh, uh, lighting assistance program in the, in the Northeast that, that pays for fuel oil and, and helps pay for fuel oil for places, cold weather places. And that, you know, that, that would probably secure the vote of Susan Collins because she's a senator from Maine and people need heating assistance. But that's probably more extreme than what would actually happen. But basically, I don't think anything can be ruled out in terms of what what McConnell might do to try to cobble together the votes to get the bill passed. Again, your, your first story was about the you know the Rand Paul uh, event and what he was doing there and his strategy. Second story, 
uh, about the Trump rally and McConnell and the atmospherics and this sort of strange dynamic sometimes between Bevin and, and McConnell and so forth. And then your third story was actually a, a leap. It's, and it's something that you got inklings of while you were in the arena on, on Monday night. And then lo and behold, on Tuesday, what happened? Well, Tuesday, uh, it came out publicly from the White House after sort of being previewed by McConnell's Kentucky operation uh, that he was going to be, that President Trump was going to be nominating a judge from eastern Kentucky uh, to be on the federal appeals court that's based out of Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Wasn't much said about this. Uh, it wasn't really blasted to national media. Uh, we, I gathered it because the local reporters were suddenly covering this, and I saw the local news headlines flash across literally while Trump was on the, the stage. And it just struck me that all of a sudden we've got this, this appellate nominee who was one of the 21 judges who had been on Trump's potential Supreme Court list uh, that was compiled with the Federalist Society and other conservative groups, all of a sudden there. Mm -hmm. and, and, and this judge, uh, he's, he's a district judge, uh, uh, confirmed toward the end of the George W. Bush administration, uh, Amit Thapar, I believe. Is, is, I believe it is. And I, I apologize for any mispronunciation there. He is uh, it, so he's based in Lexington, and now he's been nominated to fill this this uh, appellate court seat in the sixth court based in Cincinnati, which is considered one of the more conservative appellate courts. And it's it, as as you point out in your story, it's a little less of a leap going from an appellate court seat to the Supreme Court. He's also the first South Asian to be a federal district judge, and he just happens to be very close to McConnell. <laughs> so what is this setting up for us? <laughs> this is setting up, you know, the the, the gre sort of greasing the skids possibly for the next uh, vacancy, I believe, is, is, is what, you know, what we can sort of divine from this, right? I think that's right. And I think that, you know, he'll at least be on the, the short list going forward and and the kind of person who may be in a in a pre-nuclear option era when you used to need 60 votes for federal appeals court judges, he might be the kind of guy who the, the Democrats might not want elevated to this seat. But unfortunately, they changed the rules back when, when Harry Reid was the majority leader. And so, so he's a sure bet to get on that court in Cincinnati. All right. That's, it's going to be a fascinating timeline, and we're not even done with the Gorsuch uh, drama yet. Thank you very much, Niels. I appreciate you coming in. Uh, it's, it's a busy week, and uh, we'll, we'll get right back on in, in the four. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One.